Hello and welcome to another episode of 444 is the Most Accurate Podcast. My name is John Paulson. Uh, normally we don't publish preseason podcasts on Fridays, but I know a lot of you have your drafts tonight or this weekend, so I thought it'd be good to do a quick pod uh, to help you prepare for your drafts. There's some late-breaking stuff going on, and I know fantasy owners have a difficult time um, dealing with some of it, so uh, we're here to help. I'm happy to have a friend uh, of the pod, Christopher Harris of Harris Football. You can find him on Twitter, at Harris Football. Having him on to talk uh, today about some of the late-breaking challenges facing uh, fantasy owners this year. Thanks for coming on, Chris. Hello, Jonathan. How are you? I'm not bad. I'm, uh, I feel like week one's right around the corner. We made it through the dog days of August almost, and uh, it's almost here. Football's almost here. Did you, I, I may, I don't know, you, you know, we're, we're pals outside of this world. Um, did, did I ever tell you to watch um, Patriot, the sh- TV show on Amazon? I don't think so. I just love that show. It's so weird. It's, it's, it's uh, like a kind of a very, very dark comedy about a guy who's a spy, but tr- trying not to be a spy. Okay. And trying to go work for like an industrial pipe fitting manufacturer. It's really weird and funny. I love it. But he goes through hell, especially in the second season. And anytime anybody asks him how he's doing, and you, you can see he's like, he's bleeding. He's got a broken arm. He's in really bad shape. He just says, pretty good. That's so that's good. I think that's what we should just answer when some people now this time of year at the end of August having uh, I do five podcasts a week like having gone through all of this nonsense they ask us how we are we just go pretty good I like it uh, Patriot got a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes 8.3 on the Internet Movie Database so your looks like your recommendation spot on there I'll have to give it a try yeah it's good I mean it's you have to sort of be ready for something not quite what you expect it's good well this is a golden age of television there's some there's something for everyone out there now yeah. with all the niche television anyway let's talk about fantasy football do it uh we'll jump into the holdouts first jory epstein of usa today jerry jones says he fully expects cowboys uh to the play the giants without ezekiel elliott he's expecting elliott to miss games i just accept that he says quote unquote uh he can't and won't miss them all he said jerry <laughs> is really starting to come to grips with the fact that he has not signed his star running back. Um, he's still going with the, the fifth pick in the first uh, round of draft best balls. Uh, the ADP has hung in there in the first round. Uh, are you getting worried at all, or do you think he's still a first-rounder right now? It depends on the format. I, so I'm relenting as of this. We're recording this on Friday morning, August 30th, and I hadn't moved him. And I'm not moving him because of some farts and whistles that Jerry Jones says. Um I just think it's all we don't know whether this is the truth this could still be more posturing this could still be more mind games I don't I just accept that most of most things that Jerry Jones says are lies because that feels like a the right thing but also just generally speaking I don't feel like they have a lot of what's the incentive to tell the truth they're trying to negotiate through the press I mean that one way or another that's what that is but so I'm not um reacting to that particular that particular quote it's a good quote glad the reporter got it it's going to be the basis of pl- people screaming at each other across sports television desks for for 24 hours. It's great. Um, but I relented. I, I had Zeke still in a standard league at three, I think, until t- this morning. And I just, I'm trying to be honest with myself. If I'm go- I am going into a draft this weekend, big draft. I can't do it anymore. Like I, I think there's, you know, there's a chance that he reports week three, and if you get him at a discount, it's going to be still an unbelievable value. But I relented some. So, in standard, I got him down to number nine overall. Um, that's number six among running backs, and in PPR, I got him down to number fourteen overall. 
I think that's number seven among running backs, but I just basically was able to get seven wide receivers in front of him because I think, you know, the receivers are very, there's great receivers at the top for sure. So uh, that is a downgrade and it's like breaking news on the John Paulson podcast because I hadn't, I haven't even announced it on my own show yet. Man, you heard it here, folks. Uh, Ezekiel <laughs> Elliott finally, finally moving down Chris Harris's rankings. He's been moving down mine slowly. I, yeah. I start to get more comfortable with some of the other players in the first round. I do still think he's a first rounder. I suppose it, you know, it does de- depend on format, as you mentioned. Um, you know, there are leagues where running backs are more important. Uh, there's leagues where wide receivers are enhanced in value, tight ends are enhanced in value. Maybe you pull the trigger on Travis Kelsey or DeAndre Hopkins or Devontae Adams or somebody in the middle of that first round. The thing, the thing that keeps me buying a little bit, I. I I've been doing draft best balls here for the last couple of weeks. And I got, of course I got the number four pick like three times in a row. <laughs> and uh, I took Zeke in one of the, in one of the drafts and took other players in the other two. So I'm buying a little bit. And I, I still think it's okay if you want to cover yourself. I mean, I, there's, I'm very risk adverse generally, especially with my first round picks, but I, Tony Pollard is still extremely affordable in the 10th, ninth, 10th round. But that again depends on the draft, and you're and you're taking him. Are you taking Zeke with the idea that you can back him up with Pollard maybe in the tenth round? You have to assume that you can get him there, um, and that might not happen. You might miss out on him, and then you're sitting there without, a, you know, maybe a starting running back, depending on how your roster is constructed. Also, uh, one. I just have to say that I don't know that Tony Pollard is any kind of fantasy starter if there's no Zeke Gilead in there. Alfred Morris, maybe Alfred Morris gets cut, right? And so if that happens, maybe that clears it up a little bit, but. If Alvin Morris is still on that roster, I don't think you necessarily have your butt cover. I mean, you might have to get them both, and then they might still share kind of a lesser pie, and you might be f- very frustrated. I think you're, you're making a great point, and assuming that you can like circumnavigate some of that Zeke risk with Tony Pollard, and that's, oh, phew, I'm, I'm safe. Uh, I don't right. feel that way at all. Okay. Uh, I, I do think the Pollard will be an RB2 if, if Zeke sits, and that's just basically reading the tea leaves. You know, who knows? Maybe they... They truck uh, Alfred Morris out there for twelve carries. <laughs> yeah, I mean they really could. How many? I mean Tony Pollard. Fine, we've we've seen some good runs by Tony Pollard in preseason against third string defenders, and we've heard the people go, "Oh, they really like Tony Pollard." Or, we really like Tony Pollard, but I mean the dude had seventy something carries in his last year at Memphis, and most of them were as a Wildcat quarterback. It's very difficult for me to say that dude immediately is a star in the NFL. All right, moving on. We've got Melvin Gordon. Uh, everybody, the fantasy community, I would say, is a lot less optimistic about Gordon's <laughs> uh, breaking his uh, holdout anytime soon. Uh, ESPN's Eric Williams, though, said he expects Melvin Gordon to end his holdout by week one. Uh, but when he was pressed on Twitter later, he just said it was, quote, just a hunch. So not great information there. Uh, at what point does uh, uh, Gordon become appealing to you in fantasy drafts? Is he, you know right now he's going in like middle of the fourth round. I'm not touching him there. I, I think he's going to probably do the minimum to get his year of service, and that means sit out you know eight or nine games, whatever it was that uh, Joey Galloway sat out way back when. That seems to be the precedent for this. Um, so I'm avoiding this. I don't think the Chargers pay him, given who they have there at running back. Uh, but he's going in the fourth. Is there is there a round where you would pull the trigger on him? Yeah, I'm fine there. Uh, so yeah. I disagree with almost everything you just said. Perfect. <laughs> um, first of all, the whole Jilly Galloway thing happened before there was a franchise tag. Melvin Gordon could play half a season, quote-unquote, earn his free agency, and the Chargers can just turn around and tag him, which is 
almost certainly what they would do because they otherwise would just be letting him walk. Like, I'm sure that they think he's a good player. And in fact, I'm sure they would love to sign him to a one-year deal for the franchise tag him out. They would do it right now, right? So I have no uh, feeling like Melvin Gordon has to play a certain amount or has... I think both... I think the fact that we're treating Zeke and and Elliot, uh, Zeke and uh, Melvin as such different cases is so is just wrong. I think both of those guys are not holding out for free agency. I think they're both holding out for new contracts. I don't think I remember when we were told, oh, the real date on Zeke Elliott is if he doesn't report by August 6th or whatever it was, uh, that's going to be a huge sign because then he can't get his year of service time. <laughs> Did we forget that was a thing? Like, I, my feeling is we have no idea. We do not know either guy. Treating them differently, and I am treating them differently, is hypocritical. Because I don't think either one is any more or less likely to hold out than the other one. Because they're not they're not holding out for free agency. They're holding out for new deals. They're holding out. They're, they're gonna. I think they're probably at this point gonna miss games because they hope their team loses in week one and then also in week two, and they have to make a panic move. Otherwise, what leverage do they have? They have none. So uh, I don't think that Gordon is likelier or less likely to hold out more or less than Zeke. I don't know is the answer. I just don't know. I also don't think I think. Uh, Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson will get exposed as third down backs if they have to be first down backs. They're very similar players. They're really nice, cool, like sort of hard cutters and nice pass catchers and really accelerate good, like wiggle. I like all that stuff. The problem is that you can't run all that's not if you run only that you're really changing your offense and maybe they will and maybe it'll work out, but it's they're not going to run the Melvin Gordon playbook with those guys and I'm not sure if that means the Chargers lose games because I think they're pretty good. But um, uh, the upshot is I feel like to treat them as completely separate cases that are unrelated and Gordon is just so much more likely to sit and Zeke is so much more likely to come back is wrong. I'm basing that mainly on the the team's you know the the likelihood that the team is actually going to pony up. Uh, that's part of it for me. So yeah, but how do you know? I don't know. I'm reading the tea leaves like everyone else. So, well, but when you say, t- I don't think you're actually reading tea leaves. You're just reading quotes. I'm not trying to be adversarial here, but you're not reading tea leaves. You're reading quotes from the teams. Like, well, I'm also looking at the Cowboys using their what was the number four overall pick on a running back. They obviously value Zeke. Zeke significantly. And they should. Which, and they should. Which, which is why I have him way higher. I mean, I have Zeke as a you know like number nine in standard. I have Melvin Gordon number thirty-seven or something. So I'm I'm with you that they, I am valuing them differently, but I'm just. The difference is I'm saying, man, my ranks are hypocritical. <laughs> I just don't know enough to know to really be making the kind of distinction I'm making. Okay, sounds good. We'll find out uh, soon whether or not any of this matters. Well, week one's coming next week, so yeah. uh, you know, right now it would, looks like both players are going to miss at least week one, but we'll see. They have they have Labor Day to work on. They have an extra day on Monday to to figure <laughs> it out. Uh, Andrew Luck is retired. Uh, Jacoby Brissett takes over as the Colts wide receiver. Uh, this obviously threw fantasy football uh, community, uh, fantasy football Twitter into a frenzy as everybody got their takes out quickly. But how does it impact the value of T.Y. Hilton, who was going in the early third round? Marlon Mack was going in the third round as well. Do you see this as a big downgrade for either player, or does one uh, maybe take a less of a hit than the other? I think Hilton takes a bigger hit than Mack because he catches the passes from the quarterback. Um I'm less smart, and we all are probably less smart knowing what the effect on the running back is when a quarterback gets downgraded. You know, I think there are going to be people out there who say, oh, cool, that means they focus more on the running game. They focus more on easier passes, maybe two running backs. Uh, that prob- 
probably maybe could be true. It also could mean that on a per-play basis, it's way less effective because the defense can stack the box and know what's coming and not fear downfield as much. Uh, I, I lowered Mac. I think it might have been two spots in my running back list. I think I had had Aaron Jones and Sony Michelle behind him, and I think they both went in front of him in my ranks. It wasn't a huge downgrade, but it's a little something. Just kind of the feeling that, like, sometimes we say the rising tide lifts all boats. You know, in this case, the sinking tide lowers all boats, I guess. I, you know, I, I feel like it's not good when an offense gets worse, really, for anybody. Um, Hilton is the one for me. I mean, I, I think I might have had him 13 among wide receivers, and then I moved him down to, like, 23. It might have been 12 down to 23. Um, we saw 2017. Jacoby Brissett was in a much worse situation with a much worse offensive line and a different play-calling philosophy. Uh, they were, they, uh, to say different, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, don't worry, it's Frank Reich. I mean, it was a very conservative play-calling philosophy. Brissett didn't throw a lot of interceptions. He just didn't throw a lot. He just didn't take a lot of chances. It was really, really conservative, and I think it will continue to be conservative. And and Hilton did finish his wide receiver number 24, I think, that year, but it was gross. It was like four touchdowns and 900 and something yards, and I think, you know, just a few weeks where he even registered as a top 12 wide receiver at all um, because of the lack of touchdowns. So he can be effective, and he himself is a very good player. And Brissett isn't completely useless as a quarterback, but it's, I mean, it's it's a backup quarterback. It's worse. So you said uh, you might have him at wide receiver 25. Is that I what you said? It, I, I, I think it's, uh, I can look while we're talking. That's right okay. Now. I, I was just trying to tr- translate this into at what point would you be comfortable drafting him? Well, yeah, that was actually what I was looking at. So, so right now he's 22 in standard among uh, 22 and standard and in PPR among receivers. And in terms of where I have him as a draft pick, um, it looks like fifth round instead of third, which you're right. I mean, he was going third. I think it's legitimate to say it's a two round downgrade. I, I would tend to agree with that. I think he's going to probably be there end of fourth, early fifth for fantasy owners if they want to pull the trigger. And then you have to decide: uh, Do I want Hilton or do I want Cooper Cup or DJ Moore or Tyler Lockett? I think that's going to be the big question um, for for fantasy owners. And I've got him at twenty and half PPR. Mm. Um, I'm a I'm a little less after studying the whole situation with Brissett. Yes, Frank Reich. I think we can agree is a better offensive mind um, than Chuck Pagano. <laughs> yeah, I mean Pagano wasn't calling the plays. He wasn't calling the plays. No. But the situation is significantly better for him. He's had a year and a half in the system. He what it was it 1,200 reps he's had as the QB one. Um, my quarterback model that I use to get like a baseline for rookie quarterbacks coming out of college does not like Brissett at all. <laughs> uh, so that's not great, but he does have a year of experience in the system, a uh, good offensive line, quite a bit of talent around him, but that also that talent is a double-edged sword for Hilton because uh, you know, maybe his target share is not as high. It was 21%, 21.9% of targets with Brissett, which is actually is not that high for a wide receiver one. So I think that is within his range of outcomes for this year. Mm. Um, I think the volume, as you mentioned, needs to go up for for Brissett and this offense to sort of survive, and for Hilton to return value in the fourth round, um, and then um, Max. Well, can I just can I mention on Lockett? Um, I mean, on Lockett on Hilton. Uh, I have they're they're sort of similar players. Uh, I did a I did a YouTube thing on Brissett. So I don't know if you knew this. I have a YouTube channel now. We do breakdown game film. You know, my deal is like I watch all the games. Um, and so it's youtube.com slash Harris football if you want to check it out. But I did a Brissette uh, review. 
The thing, I just did a Lamar Jackson one too, and the thing that worries me the most about quarterbacks in the NFL who have low completion percentages and you watch film and you just see throws that they should make that they just can't, that are not hard in terms of, they'd be hard for me, but they're not hard for NFL quarterbacks and just for whatever reason the mechanics are such. I mean, they've been throwing footballs all their lives and they still can't make footballs go exactly the way they want to go when they're set up to do it. And and Lamar Jackson has more of that. I think Brissett has more throwing upside in his career right now than Lamar Jackson does. But, man, there are some throws from two years ago where you can't blame the line, you can't blame the skill weapons, you can't blame the play calling. The guy is open and he's throwing it a foot over his head. <laughs> well, that's certainly important to yeah. be able to hit, hit yeah. your target if you're a quarterback. So, um Definitely something to keep in mind. I wanted to talk about Mac, just his volume possibility there. In 2017, uh-huh. Frank Gore and Mac combined for 382 touches for 1,692 total yards and seven touchdowns. And I think that pretty much encapsulates the issue. Seven total touchdowns for the running back. Those two running backs that year, they were bad. That was a bad offense. That's the downside is that the touchdowns are probably not going to be there, but there are going to be touches and yards available. It just may not be pretty. Yeah. Um, I look at him as like a kind of a low ceiling, uh, high volume player now in this offense. I just, you know, the, the trips to the red zone are going to not be as, as often. So the touchdown upside is not there. Uh, but, you know, 382 touches, 1,700 total yards. If he gets 70% of that, um, you know, he'll return value in the fifth round um, as well. Yeah. So that's I mean, I have him in the fourth. I, I would take Mac before I would take Hilton. In a, like if I were comparing them just in the, no matter the format, I would take Mac before I would take Hilton. Wouldn't you? And that make I mean, that makes sense. It depends on what you're trying to do in that round, but because yeah, yeah. uh, Hilton, as you mentioned, was the one receiving the ball from the quarterback, and yeah. if that's a, that's off target, that's not good. Not great, Bob. Uh, <laughs> not great, Bob. Man, Josh Madman Gordon reference. Come on, come on, bring it on, Madman reference. I yes. love you. Josh Gordon's back. Uh, he's playing football. He caught two of six targets for 30 yards yesterday in the last preseason game. Uh, he's going off the board in the early sixth round, six oh three. What do you make of that? I like it. I'd, I would take him at that price. Um, I re- recognizing, of course, that there's ridiculous amounts of ri- risk. I mean, and it's not funny when I'm, you know, the, the risk is what's the fact that we're willing to take this risk again. It was what cracks me up. I mean, the kid obviously has a problem and it's very possible that we get to week four and, you know, we just get the get the phone call that Josh Gordon didn't make it in that day. And we go right back to where we've always been with him. But yeah, I think that's it's probably a fair value for him, but I'm willing to take it. Um, Another kid who I did a YouTube video on, I, I, here's what I was trying to do. I was trying to separate our memories of 2013 Josh Gordon from what he actually was last year. Mm-hmm. Because we have, I mean, I'm, I'm as guilty as anyone. We have, for all these years now, subsequent to 2013, we've all been dreaming of that happening again. Like, every, you know, what's the, what's, is there's an X percent chance that you're getting the, the wide receiver too. Because he could just go bananas like he did in 2013. And I wanted to kind of see if that were st- was still true. So I watched a lot of Josh Gordon film. And if you go to the YouTube channel, you'll see the result, which is last year he was Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, last year he looked slow. I think the 2013 guy is gone. Now, subsequent to that, I've had people come on my show and say, yeah, but realize he was dealing with a hamstring the whole year and he couldn't really. And he, and he trained with Tim Montgomery, U.S. Olympic sprinter, and now he's going to be someone. Yeah, I, I feel like when I see the skill displayed again, then I'll believe he owns it again. Um, he looked slow. He was running the Alshon tree. He was running a lot of posts. He was running a lot of slants, a lot of stops. 
not a lot of deep stuff, not a lot of goes, not a lot of breaking in the open field and running away from people, um, which just means let's let's have a new frame of reference for what Josh Gordon is, which is, hey, if Alshon Jeffery were on the Patriots, I would like that. Cool. Like Tom Brady, pretty good quarterback. Think think he can probably be pretty good. So, which is why I come I come around to feeling like that's pretty decent draft day. Uh, but again, if you're going to be risk averse, I think he's probably not your guy. Yeah, basically going off the board as like a wide receiver three. Would that be fair for the sixth round? I think so. Um, Jeffrey and Allen Robinson, those types, you might have end up with him as your wide receiver two if you're going running back, running back, and a tight end there in the first five rounds. Um, but he is, you know, of anybody in the sixth round, he maybe has the most upside in the receiver class. Uh, you know, I feel like a top 10 finish is within reach. If everything breaks his way, it's also realistic that he could finish outside the top 100. So I don't know that anyone has a greater range of outcomes, uh, at any position in that round. Uh, he played at a 64 catch, 1100 yard, 3.5 touchdown pace in the last nine games with the Patriots last year. And I did pull up his splits in the four games without Gronk um, last year. And he did, uh, it was fairly impressive 3.5 receptions, 82 yards receiving, 134 uh, air yards, 0.5 touchdowns. He had uh, an expected touchdown, uh, which is a stat that we have uh, via Kevin Zatlukul's or. Uh, Data scientist on staff at four for four. Uh, the expected touchdown is 0.73 per game. Um, so 13 uh, half PPR fantasy points. So really good numbers. It's a really small sample though. Um, but those targets jumped from 4.9 with Gronk in the lineup to 8.0 with Gronk out. So this brings me to my next question. Sure. Um, Gronk is retired, we think. We're pretty sure. Um, <laughs> Have you seen him? He looks like you know the old like Gronk. Half, yeah, the old, the old yeah the old Gronk looked like Gronk had eaten a Gronk, and now it looks like the Gronk that was eaten has escaped. Is it like <laughs> Captain America before and after he gets shot with <laughs> the is. serum? Yeah, it kind of uh, is. He's, he's yeah, it's a little yeah. It probably would take him a while to get back into football shape. I don't Let's think it's say that this year. Yeah, it would take uh, oh, yeah, it would take a while. It would just take time. That's all it would take. There'd be no yeah, substances there- involved. <laughs> So this passing game now, I mean, I think everybody was lower on Brady coming in because of the, the loss of Gordon, the loss of Gronkowski. He's getting older. Every, um, everyone but me. So we just, Were you still, you still oh, yeah, had him as a QB1? I was, yeah, and still am. Uh, well, I definitely moved him up with Gordon back, having weapons helps uh, uh, quarterback. So let me ask you this though: Is there room for any other pass catchers now in this offense? You know, you've got Julian Edelman soaking up targets, uh, James White out of the backfield now, Josh Gordon. Um, do you think will there be any other consistent fantasy producers in this offense with those three uh, healthy and active? I don't think I would draft under the assumption that any any one other person has that kind of. But but I think for sure there are. I mean, there's going to be a lot of targets for other people. It's just a matter of does it consolidate around one person to the extent that where you go, oh, okay, cool, cool. Now I feel like I can use them in a bye week or whatever. Um, let, let's see if we can get a tight end involved, and mm-hmm. you know it's it's possible. It's not going to be Gronk. It won't be the same playbook. I mean, thankfully Gronk wasn't Gronk last year. Gronk blocked an awful lot last year, and then you know he. He reared his head in the playoffs. If there's any concern about Brady or any Patriot, is that do the, do the Patriots just decide they're going to play possum the entire season now because they've just realized 
we can just sort of slap it out there and go 11 and 5 and then we'll actually run our plan once we get to the three playoff games um that i guess that's somewhat of i'm, I'm being facetious i don't think we can plan on that but you know I, to go back to your question could there be a third receiver there could because tom brady's still really really great i mean he's He's obviously shown that when he needs it, that you know those couple of drives against Kansas City were ridiculous. Those that overtime drive, three third and longs, like he's still the best quarterback probably in the league, but he doesn't need to show it all the time. Uh, and Sony Michelle, could he potentially be a pass catcher? He certainly was better at Georgia, and maybe his knee feels better. I, this is a long way around to the idea. You're not drafting, feeling For like that. yeah, feeling like there's any other name. But I think you're certainly, when the quarterback is good, whether it's Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or whatever, you're always open to the idea that, hey, if a new target, early in the season, I'm willing to say, if someone has a six-catch game, I'm willing to drop the last person on my bench and pick them up just in case and see if stuff starts consolidating around them because you want to be associated with great quarterbacks. Yeah, I think Philip Dorsett has actually been a steady presence there right. now great, for great a while. Yeah. yeah, and I he, he's not going to draw much attention. <laughs> With Julian Edelman and Josh yeah. Gordon out there, and and with with Ben Watson suspended for the first four games, you know maybe the tight end isn't as big of a part of the offense. And, you, you know, mean, even when the, you mean Jacob Hollister doesn't still play there, huh? Interesting. I remember people <laughs> loving him a couple. Of <laughs> They've had a few next Gronks, haven't they? Over the years, they sure have. They sure yeah. have. And I mean, the good thing about uh, this Matt Lacoste kid is that nobody's calling him the next Gronk. Like I th- he's he was okay, and you know he got pressed into duty with the Broncos last year, and he played okay towards the end of the year. But he's just not that kind of you know he's just not that kind of athlete. Yeah, he'll catch three passes for thirty yards and fall down probably. Right, right. He's not going to be trucking guys like <laughs> Gronk yeah. was doing in his heyday. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on to the Houston running back situation, and this definitely has my uh, the. Backs, uh, the hairs on the back of my neck standing up. Uh, Lamar Miller's knee injury, sad to see that happen to him. I think he was actually going to be a pretty good value uh, where he was going if he continued to see the RB1 touches there. Um, but he has the ACL tear, and he's now out for the season. That has opened the door for Duke Johnson, who the Texans traded a fourth-round pick for, but it's definitely going to be a third-round third round pick, pick now, probably in all likelihood, uh, which is a pretty steep price to pay. So I think that shows some intent. Uh, by the Texans uh, with Duke Johnson coming uh, there. to And he's basically, the door's been open for him uh, to get RB1 touches. Now we'll see what happens after cutdown day uh, tomorrow. There, there are going to be some interesting names likely available uh, on the street and possibly within trade within the next 24 hours. Uh, but I wonder if there's anybody that could come to the Texans that would really would be uh, a better fit for this offense I think I'm a big believer in Johnson as a three down back capability just didn't have that opportunity in Cleveland um, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on it I'm really getting all the shares I can get in the fifth round uh, with him as this uncertainty keeps his ADP in the early sixth round so I'm asking what you think of his prospects this season uh, do you think he'll end up leading this backfield in touches and how do you think it's going to shake out after this weekend well, I'm right there with you uh, as far as your assessment of the draft value. I have him at 49 standard 52 PPR, which is weird to have Duke Johnson, who's the best receiving back in the league, probably lower in PPR, but that's just because I'm putting some receivers in front of him. Um, I'm, I'm right there with you. So that, to me, that means fifth, you know, early fifth. I'll take him the f- late fourth. That's fine. Yep. Um, and if he's going in sixth, great. Uh, I think whoever they add, and they'll almost certainly add somebody, but whoever they add... We'll take some of the load off of 
Johnson, and probably that's as it should be. I've I, another person I've done lots of YouTube work on, so if you go to the channel, you'll find uh, my feelings on Duke Johnson. I I agree that in Cleveland he was underused. I'm a little skeptical that he's ready to be a 250 touch player. He's never had 200 touches in his life. He's um, and again, you're right. That doesn't mean he can't handle it because that's the coaches are the ones who are telling him to do this. Um, in 64 career games, four full seasons, I think he has four games with double-digit carries, none more than 13. Um, he's he's listed at 210. I really, really don't think he plays at 210. He's a smaller guy. Doesn't really generate any power at all. Um, and yet kind of is effective in up between the tackles on film in the, in the same way Dion Lewis is where you're like, come on, that guy's too little to do that. And then he kind of gets lost a little bit and he's not weak. He just is not going to run it, run over anybody, but he's not, he's, you know, you know, it's not like James White where, you know, you touch James White, he falls down because, and that's, that's not even a criticism. That's as it should be. He's not, he's meant to miss people. Right. And these guys, these, these tougher, smaller backs, um, are strong enough to break an arm tackle. I think Duke Johnson is, but boy, if you're slamming him into the goal line 15 times in the season, you're really risking losing a good player. Um, I think they'll probably get a bigger back. Carlos Hyde is the very common speculation that if the Chiefs cut, cut Carlos Hyde, that and you know, if, but but the, but your point is like anybody can they, that they can add. Should they be drafted ahead of Duke Johnson? My answer would be no. If it's Jay Ajayi, if it's I don't know Lashawn McCoy, if it you know Carlos Hyde, no, I think McCoy um, Johnson would still be go go ahead of him and still be my candidate to lead the Texans in running back touches. Uh, the, uh, commonly, when Lamar Miller was still healthy, I got some feedback on Twitter when I was very pro this move. I thought it was really great. Oh, but Bill O'Brien just doesn't throw to running backs, and my feeling is, well, when he had Aaron Foster, he did. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just he hasn't had anybody to throw to. I don't think. You acquire Duke Johnson, and like you said, you're you're paying a bit of a price for him. I don't think that always. Me- I mean, the Eagles paid a big price for Golden Tate and didn't use him last year. It's not impo- impossible you can do that, but it seems like you would probably go in with an open mind to throwing to him more. That's what he does really, really well. So I think we're kind of on the same page here. Yeah, and I, th- I thought when the trade happened that they were maybe looking at Duke as their if they if they really I mean if they liked him. And which it seemed like they did with the trade that they might be looking at him as the RB of the future. I mean, that's a, a third round pick is something you might use a, on a running back next year. You know, Miller's a free agent at the end of this year. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they're looking at Duke as their you know stopgap, give him a feature role and see what see what happens. And he's not a guy you want to have 300, 350 touches, even if you own him, right. <laughs> because he's more he's probably more likely to get hurt. So, right. um, I just wanted to point out one stat that I that I dug up in the fourteen career games where he saw at least 12 touches, and these are a lot of catches. Um, he averaged 13.6 touches for 75 total yards and .29 touchdowns, and that's 11.9 fantasy points per game in half PPR formats. That's If you would average that over 16 games, that's an RB16. You know, and that only works out to 218 um, touches. So a lot of those are catches, obviously. He was very uh, pass-heavy, uh, reception-heavy in Cleveland. Um, that's going to shift some, I think in Houston, but oh, yeah. he's a, he's a guy who can post, you know, high end RB two numbers on 240, 230 touches. So it's setting up well, I think for him, given his cost right now, no one's really going crazy with him third, second round or anything like that. So I think it's a, a, a way for owners to sort of capitalize on a, an efficient market. And I think there is some uncertainty and that's why um, he's going where he's going. I think people are scared that the McCoy is going to land there, but the McCoy is not the same runner that he was 
Carlos Hyde is not the same runner as he was, you know. So I think I'd most be mostly worried about if somebody like Kenneth Dixon landed there because I kind of like Kenneth, Kenneth Dixon. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> he's going to get cut. Yeah, um, he is, and I'm not sure yeah. he's good. But yeah. Yeah, all right. So anyway, uh, DK Metcalf. I wanted to talk about him a little bit. The Seattle receiving core is pretty banged up. Uh, Metcalf is day to day after a knee scope. I had a knee scope, actually two knee, knee scopes in college, just for what it's worth. And I was back uh, running uh, basically three weeks after the scopes. And I was back playing basketball four weeks after the scopes. And this is back when medical procedures were, you know, it's, it, it's it not the, 2019. Right. It was I mean, the Flintstones they, medical tools. Yeah. It was this, It was like Dino during the doing the surgery. Yeah. So I'm not ruling him out for week one. Uh, it doesn't sound like the Seattle Seahawks are either. He's questionable, though, I would say, for week one. Uh, David Moore has a broken arm, shoulder problem, uh, looking less likely for week one, but they're not going to uh, place him on injury reserve, uh, apparently. So he could play at some point in September. You're, you're down to Tyler Lockett as your wide receiver one. You've got Jerron Brown. You've got some other guys there. Is there any value that you're you're seeing here? Is Metcalf somebody you, you would target knowing that he's probably going to play fairly early in the season and, and more being out is going to open up some snaps for him? Um, it's fine if you want to use your 14th round pick on him. It's fine with me. There's a lot of guys you could say that about. It's it's fine with me. I. It's very hard to come into the league as a rookie receiver and have a huge impact. But, you know, if you're taking somebody in the 14th round, you're not necessarily expecting a huge impact. The, the question I have is, can a rookie receiver step in and pr- produce? It's not just a matter of producing a good-looking overall season. It's a matter of how many weeks does he feel trustable. How, how long does he have to do it till you feel like, oh, now I could actually use him in my lineup? Um, that that answer is different for someone like Kenny Stills. If Kenny, if Miami is a much better offense than we expect, it's probably not going to happen, but it's possible. Then I, you know, Kenny Stills is going to eat. He's going to participate. He's going to be good. He's going to be trustable. DK Metcalf, if Seattle's offense turns out to be good, it's there's still a it's 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 you know, you can get the Calvin Ridley run and then they just disappear and you go oh cool I can't use them, um, so I don't mind it but I don't feel like it's mandatory. What are your thoughts on Lockett now with this though? I mean this is you would think his targets would have to get close to 100, but do you agree with that or do you think it's still going to stay in that 70? He was 70 last year. He was hyper efficient. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe the defense is taking a step back and they have to throw a little bit more. They can't go quite as run heavy as they want to be. But is Lockett worth a fourth rounder to you? Um, the answer is yes. I'm not really in the projection game. It's, yeah. it, you know, I'm much more in the like, let's let's assume that good players will fit the shape that the team needs them to fit. And I think and maybe therefore we're kind of saying the same thing. You're You're putting a number on. Hey, his target share is going to go up. There's no Doug Baldwin. He's a good player. And I'm saying he's a good player. His target share is going to go up. I don't know what the number is. We kind of are arriving at the same spot, which is if I if if I thought Tyler Lockett was a kind of a crummy player, right? then I wouldn't look at this depth chart and go, cool, I want Tyler Lockett because there's 100 targets coming his way. I would think, I don't know, some, some, something else will happen. He's just kind of crummy. I don't care. But actually, I think Tyler Lockett, I mean, I've been – People who listen to my show are damn sick of me saying I think Tyler Lockett's going to be good because every year I was wrong until last year. I think this is his 11th year, 15th year, 100th year in the league, um, and I was wrong every one of them until you know finally I was yeah, right until last year. broke out last year. Yeah, it was my broken clock theory. Um, <laughs> but I think we're coming in the same. We're 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 landing in the same area, which is oh, I think if you're going to tell me, you know, Lockett is a, you're saying fourth, fifth, something like that. 
Yeah, he's going um, near the. I, I'm seeing him a lot at the four or five turn available, yeah. so I'm getting him early fifth, Me late too. fourth. Yeah, that'd be right where I have him. I could see, and actually, I could see because of what you're saying, depth chart wise, because maybe you're not gonna. You can't really run the full route tree with Tyler Lockett. If you run a lot of deep crosses, he's gonna get killed. He's too little, right? But so okay, if we know that, then let's still send him deep because he's one of the fastest quickest players in the league and that's also throw him more screens he didn't get a lot of screens last year like let's get him let's just get the ball in his hands more you don't yeah that 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 was sort of the doug baldwin thing in the past and now it'll it can be more so so in ppr i could see even valuing him a little higher yeah i think he's he's an interesting one due to the volume and i don't think people people have him ranked i would just say you know our peers have him ranked as a wide receiver too but he he really does have wide receiver one upside. Like I could easily see him finishing eighth, sure. Uh, even in PPR format, I yes. mean, he was eleven or eleven or twelve, I think, or maybe he was thirteen in standard last year. So he was right there. Uh, obviously, hyper efficient, seventy targets, but that could jump to a hundred, and it doesn't take much of a stretch. I mean, if the defense takes a step back, um, he gets some of Baldwin's work. Some of these other guys are not producing or getting the, the maybe the, the targets that the team would like them to get. And he starts to see like 100 targets and he stays fairly efficient because he's good. Um, he's got sneaky like top eight, top seven type upside if things break his way. He plays 16 games. Some of these other guys maybe get hurt, you know, whatever happens. Um, I really like him at that four or five turn, even as my wide receiver one, if I've taken a couple running backs and a or you know, three running backs and a tight end in the uh, first four rounds. So Just don't take a tight end in the first four rounds. You'll be fine. Well, that's we we're not going to get into that right now. We don't have time. Uh, so, cut down day is Saturday. Anyone you're keeping your eye on? I know you talked to you before the pod. You don't really have a player in mind that will be a surprise cut, but is there anybody that you're really interested to see uh, if they're cut and where they might land via free agency or maybe a, a late trade? Well, you know, Shady McCoy is. I, I know we talked about him being um, not what he was, and that's true. Who who is who among us is? But, but uh, like I still thought at times last year he still looked really quick. I yeah. So for the the almanac thing that I send you, you've seen you got that thing right. Yes, yeah. I did. Um, I do I do film grades on everybody, so I watch film on everybody, and I will tell you know I'll give, I'll give a quickness grade or a speed grade or whatever. And Shady was always the gold standard for A plus for quickness. And last year it wasn't it wouldn't have been fair. I gave him B plus, but a B plus is still pretty good. And he had really good moments. He just wasn't able to keep them going and will blame partly that the Bills offense was bad and that matters, but also he himself wore down and wasn't the same later in the year and didn't seem to have that cut on a dime thing quite as much. But hey, I mean, if he lands in Houston, that's potentially a good offense and potentially a valuable situation. I would be interested in him there as a let's see, because I don't think it's completely gone. It's probably on its way out, but it's not completely gone. We, we talked about Hyde. Uh, you, you mentioned Kenneth Dixon, which I don't know if you heard the sound effect of me throwing up on my mouth, but I did. I did hear. Yeah, it. yeah. It was. I didn't take offense to it though. It's okay. <laughs> it was gross. I mean, uh, instead of McCoy, maybe the Bills let go T.J. Yeldon, and he could have yeah. some PPR. Like, depends on where he lands, kind of thing. It'd be interesting to see, and it might mean a little bit for pass re- receiving. Maybe that means Singletary is more of a pass receiver as we go. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have my eye on any other unless you're really excited by the notion of like Jake Butt getting cutted a cut. I don't <laughs> doesn't really <laughs> Jake Butt me. getting cutted. Cutted. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's interesting that the all the names we're talking about are running backs. So it's just kind of the state of the position right now with uh 
fairly big names, popular names, people, players people know um, are the ones that are maybe hitting the hitting the street or moving via trade here in the last uh, 24 hours or so. So it should be an interesting uh, 48 hours. Yeah, I mean, you're right about the running backs. I'm trying to think of the, the problem is that any receivers who get cut, they're usually not as big names. And also they any landing spot just doesn't get super excited. We don't get super excited about because they land on teams that already have receivers like everybody's already got receivers so you know can we think of a team where you go oh my oh my goodness the Patriots gave up on Josh Gordon and he landed somewhere as a true wide receiver like no (laughs) you know that's the problem is you're just not probably getting a great landing spot if we got an unexpected wide receiver cut I mean I'm racking my brains to even think of if I can come up with anybody who makes sense I mean you know Jameis Winston should get cut (laughs) he probably won't (laughs) but he should he probably won't right Laquan Treadwell, you know, does that yeah. that you know doesn't really move the needle? I, yeah, For, I can't. Former first rounder is about it, right? Or or, or maybe Demarius Thomas. I mean, he had the big preseason game with the Patriots, and maybe that, maybe they trade him. Like maybe they're able to get something for him. I'm real skeptical that he has a role with the Patriots. All right, great stuff, Chris. Thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. Very cool to talk to you, John. And you can uh, find his work at HarrisFootball.com, and you can find him on Twitter at HarrisFootball. Is there anything else you'd like to plug before you go? plug away um well i you know the deal on the podcast is basically i do it five to five days a week and uh starting not next week but the week after it'll be it's very game film specific so if people don't have time to watch every single game i do and i will talk about what i saw in every single game because you know a lot of times the box score will tell one story but you won't know that some dude fell down or that some dude was you know temporarily injured or whatever and i will usually know that because i will have watched Every single game, which is a big undertaking, but hey, it's my job. Um, I've been doing it since the ESPN days, you know, as their eight years, and uh, that's where I talk about it is on the podcast. The Harris Football Podcast, the little podcast that could. Uh, be sure to check it out uh, anywhere you find your podcast. Remember, you can always use the code TMAP for 10% off any 444 sub. If you check my Twitter feed uh, and click on the link to my Reddit AMA that I did yesterday, there's even better discount code available there. It's only good until the end of August. You can click the link in the Reddit post, and I'll get a little kickback when you sign up. So thank you for that. We'll be back uh, next Thursday for a week one preview uh, with Anthony Stalter. Uh, We'll have sneaky starts and more. So we'll see you then.